or training comes with this idea of building technical skills. I really believe that people are going to be less able to learn technical skills when they don't trust themselves, they don't have confidence, they don't feel appreciated at work. When you develop that person first, all of Hey, I'm Shauna. I'm a business mentor and leadership coach. After years of working with leaders and professionals, the one thing I can say is I do not have all the answers. And guess what? I'm okay with that. This podcast is dedicated to having the conversations with the people who have been where you are or have the expertise that will help you to streamline, simplify, and take the guesswork out of growing and scaling your business. Each week, we will dive into guest interviews, tips, trends, and strategies that will help you to cut through the fluff. So if you are ready to take your business to the next level, stick around. This is the Scale to Grow podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Scale to Grow podcast. So I'm excited for you to hear this episode. This episode was actually pre-recorded and uh, Ashley and I had a very good chat about conflict and how can we shift the team dynamics from a conflict situation into empowerment. And Ashley is a leadership junkie just like myself. We had a really great conversation. And Ashley is the CEO of Our Forte, which focuses on personal and team growth. And in this episode, she brought with her her combination of energy and creativity and passion for the topic. Um, Ashley is really known for her ideas and execution in terms of put in a thoughtful and insightful approach to just helping to bring out the best in every undertaking that she puts her fingers on. So she brings her experience from not-for-profit and corporate sectors to help aspiring leaders and teams to build a thriving culture of gratitude and value to create a meaningful donor relationship. So I'm very excited for this, and I know I say this all the time, but this is a crucial time, I think, out there right now in terms of if you are a business owner, if you're someone who's leading a team, it's very important for you to be able to shift these little sticky situations that might come up and show up as conflict and be able to turn that around into something more empowering. And I really think this episode will really give you some good tools for you to use for your next, dare I say, conflict situation. So again, very excited to have this. So Ashley, welcome again to the podcast. I'm so excited to have her on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be having this conversation with you today. Me too. Like we were literally geeking out about our kids and then we were geeking out about like being leadership coaches. This is going to be great. And fellow Canadians. Yes, I know. Especially from where we are, same province, everything. So that's, that's unheard of. We never see that. Never. Never. (laughs) So tell us more about what you do and a little bit about you. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, I always struggle with that. Like, tell me about yourself. But I, I just really love people. I think I have a really awesome gift of being able to connect with people 
and seeing some of those pieces that they're not always saying. And I take that experience of working with so many different teams and so many different organizations and now helping leaders, A, discover themselves and how they want to lead, how they truly want to show up, and then helping them inspire their teams to do the same. And understanding that different teams have different struggles, but at the end of the day, inspired teams, teams that can thrive together, teams that can really truly um, work together, just makes for a happier community, happier people. And, and that's really what I'm super interested in. Oh my God. You know, if I was to like, take a guess, like, do you know your strengths finder? Like, are you a woo? Oh, I don't know. I haven't done that one. I keep doing all of these different things. I've done like the Enneagram and the human design and all of the, all of the things. Oh, I haven't done strengths finder. Now I'm going to have to. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I did my human design too. And my, what are you in human design? A generator. Ah, uh, okay. A yeah. projector. Mm. Oh, fascinated. Yes. Okay. So the reason why I asked, because um, the fact that you are so people centric is, is just fantastic. Like you, I always find folks who are stronger or further up on the woo tend mm. to be more aligned with, you know, kind of always wanting to go out there and meet people and kind of always being able to go in and adjust the temperature of the room based yeah. on how people are feeling. So yeah, definitely give it a try and see where you where you land. I should, but based on that definition, I'm probably very high up on the woo scale. <laughs> I do I do breathwork facilitation. I incorporate hypnotherapy into my coaching practice. So I'm I'm like hitting the top of the woo. Okay. So and what's interesting, I'm I'm almost at the bottom for woo, which is kind mm. of, I'm at the bottom, but I'm, I'm at the top for analytical. So I always have to use my other strengths mm -hmm. to kind of adjust myself because, uh, yeah, so I'm not that high on woo. Mm. Interesting. So yeah. that would explain a lot. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get started with our forte? Yeah. So there's a whole giant long backstory, but I'll give you the Coles Notes version of it. And that is I was working, you know, I did the things that I was supposed to do after I graduated university and started my career. And I just started working, mm -hmm. just doing it right to make money and discover, you know, what I wanted to do for a living. And I was in a culture, I'd been there for seven years, maybe eight years. And towards the last few years, it was a lot to even like get out of the car in the morning and go to work. And I had had a lot of different leadership changes. And this is part of my, my skill set. Like I can go with the flow, adapt to new leadership styles. But I was now in an organization where we once had each other's backs. Mm -hmm. We never, ever threw anyone under the bus. You know that term? And now it was every person for themselves. You, one leader came in and really shifted the entire culture and took people who were once, you know, your allies. And now you were all standing on an island by yourself. Never really knew who was going to maybe cry that day, who was going to get 
you know, yelled at in front of everyone that day. And as all of that was happening, this leader also was giving us books like leadership, good to great, and saying that this is what they do. This is what they studied. (laughs) And my brain was blowing up on me a little bit because it was very much a do as I say, not as I do. So when I got pregnant and I had struggled with infertility and had a high risk pregnancy. So when I finally got pregnant, that was, I would say like my TSN turning point of why would I continue to go to this place that is sucking my soul and not be with the person that I literally worked forever, it feels like to spend time with. And that was my that was my shift. It was, all right, I'll just do my own thing and make it happen. Oh my God. Isn't it interesting that it feels like we all started from, you know, having like that experience with a bad leader Mm. and then wanting to kind of just shift the narrative of what leadership is based on just that experience. Yeah. I had some really great leaders as well. And I think that that's part of it is who you're raised by. Right? We talk about being raised by your parents or your caregivers or those important role models in your life. And then we think that you know, when you're 20-something, it stops. But then you're being raised by a whole other set of people. And those people have a lot of influence on how your career shapes out, what you believe about yourself, what you're capable of, what it's like to spend your days going to work. And this is what I truly like why I'm so inspired to work with leaders because I think so many people have had negative and positive experiences, but they just go into leadership and start doing instead of thinking about how they want to show up and what they want to give to those that they're raising. And it's in based on what you're saying, a lot of that is like centering around self leadership and just self awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can have amazing skills. And I talk to a lot of teams who people have been promoted because of their technical ability. So they are, let's just use accounting, for example, because I couldn't be further from an accountant. (laughs) Okay, so I love accountants, though, they save me every month. So right? They get promoted because they're really good at what they do. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're managing people, but they haven't really been trained on the soft skills or understand what may need to shift in their daily workload, daily habits to now be managing and raising these people that they're leading. And they crumble or they burn out, or they get really frustrated. And those that they're managing actually start leaving, because they're getting burnt out too. So yeah, it's for me, it's about how do you intend to show up? And are you taking the actions that align with that intention? Mm -hmm. And you apply a four pillar process to Mm -hmm. your coaching and the work that you're doing. So Do you mind sharing a bit more about the different pillars and kind of how they all fit together to kind of help someone who, if we take the accountant example, how would they apply that, you know, in their, in their leadership development? Yeah. So this for me, you know, I was thinking a lot about what, what would it have been to 
work at a healthy organization or a place where I felt valued. And I came up with the edge, you know, teams needing the edge, leaders needing to get the edge. And edge stands for engagement, development, gratitude, and the overall experience. Genius. I love it. Genius. Love a good acronym. (laughs) So engagement is how are you actually engaging? You know, we talk a lot about transactional engagement versus real life relationships. People want to feel seen, valued, heard, and that engagement with your manager, those that you are leading is really important. Do you know anything about them outside of the role or the job they hold? Start there, right? Start there. What did they like to do on the weekend? What are they celebrating? And just really get to know your people. And then when it comes to development, how are you helping and empowering these people to grow or develop other skills? A lot of teams that I speak to, you know, they struggle with personal finances. And that might not be a natural thing for a leader to think, you know, development or even, you know, personal well being. But we're not always talking about developing your technical skills. We're talking about developing you as a human and what you need. So that's where that development pillar comes in. And then gratitude. I think we all could do a little bit more (laughs) recognizing A, what we're grateful for, and B, expressing gratitude to other people. We've probably all been on the receiving end of what we consider, you know, negative feedback or criticism on our work, but it's not as often as, Hey, you did a really great job. Or I love the way that you talk to that client. Do you want to sit in on this meeting with me? Or it could be anything, right? It really could be anything. And when people feel a sense of gratitude, appreciation, they naturally build more loyalty and want to do more of that, right? And then finally, experience. I kind of loop experience into a couple of different things. What is it like overall to come to work every day? That overall experience, even if you're working from home. So what is the experience like start to finish from onboarding to when they exit? But then also, where are you building in team building activities or client appreciation activities? What are those experiences that you get to share together? Because when you have a shared experience, you create shared memories, you create shared learning, and it really brings people a lot closer together. Yes, no, I love that. You know, the fact that I didn't even clue into the acronym because I I saw, I was like, oh, this is interesting. (laughs) But it's the edge. So this this is fantastic. So So the whole premise of everything that you're doing is really taking that person back to how do they connect with people to then get to that experience that Mm -hmm. will create a healthier culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of leadership development or training comes with this idea of building technical skills. I really believe that people are going to be less able to learn technical skills when they don't trust themselves, they don't have confidence, they don't feel appreciated at work. 
when you develop that person first, all of the other things are going to come much more naturally. Yes, I love that. So I know we talked about the experience and I know you have your own personal experience, but when you when you work with teams and you think of like a conflict situation, how does conflict generally um, show up? <laughs> I think there's, <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of different ways. It's funny because I constantly see memes on the internet of like how much people hate work and their colleagues and coworkers. And we, people laugh. And I think that for me is a why. Like I would just love to ask that question. If somebody has, maybe it's because we can, we laugh because we're uncomfortable or we laugh because we've been there. But conflict is also shaped to be so negative. I think we can challenge one another. I think Mm -hmm. that we can have healthy dynamics where we push innovation and we question ideas to bring out the best, not create conflict. And what I find with many teams, and I'll even say this, with families, with friendship groups, it shows up everywhere, is the drama triangle. Are you familiar with the drama triangle? So I think I, I saw this recently. Yes. Yeah. So with the drama triangle, you have different roles. You have somebody who's the persecutor. So that's that person constantly yelling and being, you know, mean, criticizing, but offering no solutions, right? That's the persecutor, the scary person. And then you have the rescuer who wants to swoop in and protect everyone. Um, I sometimes see that with women who kind of take on that mama bear role, Mm. right? They want to, they don't want their team to feel bad. So they cover everything up. And then you have the victim and the victim tends to say things and laughs at those kind of memes. Like, yeah, of course I hate my colleagues because they're all horrible to me. It's the woe is me. The, why did I get assigned this? Or how come I have to stay late? Or this is the worst. And when you're living in that drama, it's just a constant state of somebody covering up, somebody complaining, somebody else like persecuting. And this is where conflict lives. Mm-hmm. What I encourage teams to do and through training is shift from drama to the empowerment dynamic. And with the empowerment dynamic, the persecutor becomes the challenger. And now you can challenge without being a jerk, right? You can challenge an idea of like, you know, that, well, this is how we always do things. Sometimes you need that challenger to come in and say, but why? No strings attached, no judgment attached. Why? And what if we did this? So the challenger plays a really important role. The rescuer now becomes the coach. So instead of saving everyone, they say to their teammates, what if you tried this? Or have you considered this? And empowers them to learn new skills and truly make change. And then the victim actually becomes the creator. Instead of saying, woe is me, why me? They can say, how can I? What if I tried this? And they get to play with, you know, oh, this keeps happening. I keep hearing no. What do I think this no means? What could it be leading to? And they get to be creative instead of complaining. So that's the big, you know, that's high level, big scale. (laughs) 
the the shift between conflict to actually being more productive and having a psychologically safe team that can really support one another. Yeah, I, you know, one of the, the first thing that came to mind to me is the leader stepping back and having the team just kind of go through kind of the standard, you know, Stormin, Foreman, Norman, mm-hmm. Foreman, Stormin, Norman, and performing kind of flow. Yeah. But also being able to kind of look at things through the lens of how can I take ownership of the of the conflict and become more accountable for the outcome mm-hmm. of the relationships with my peers instead of involving the leader. Yeah. Well, and this is when I talk about becoming the leader you wish you had. Mm-hmm. It's really about intention. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, again, look at past leaders and say, I didn't like how they did this. Oh, I really like how they did this. Or when I become a leader, I'm not going to do this. But then you get into it and you just start going because the work is piling up, the needs are piling up. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't really taken that time to, like you said, step back and understand what role you want to play, what boundaries you want to set, what expectations you want to have mm-hmm. for yourself and others, you're now just going through the motions. And it's really hard to then step back and say, okay, I think I, I, think I went a little fast. <laughs> I need to step back and figure out what I want to change. And it's totally doable, but you do need to have that step back. Mm-hmm. So the for the listeners who are kind of listening to the podcast, most of them are business owners. Uh, they might have a small team, might mm-hmm. have a growing team. When there's this kind of friction in the team, is it is it more for them to take a hands-off approach or to be clear up front as to the the kind of parameters as to when they will get involved into like conflict situation with the team. Yeah, I think that you need to know how you're going to handle those things. And if it hands off, to me, just kind of sounds like, eh, I'll let them figure it out. Right. But if you have a process of first, you're going to chat with each other. And here's the expectations around a healthy conversation. And then if you can't resolve the conflict or things aren't improving, then involve me. But if you're a small business owner and there is friction and fighting or conflict, and you, again, it's a small team, that is an infection that's going to cascade out to your clients, to the community, and ultimately it affects you. So I wouldn't wait too long. Mm-hmm. Right. So many people hate to have conversations. Again, that's like a whole other probably podcast episode about why it's so uncomfortable. But like they got to talk it out and not text it out. No, yep. <laughs> <laughs> don't email, don't text, face to face conversation. You know, there's a quote, uh, and I'm probably going to screw it up, but it says that we all want to empower people. But empowerment without accountability equals entitlement. So you need to empower your team, but hold them accountable for changing the behavior or having the conversation. Because otherwise, now you've just got people walking around being like, ah, I can do what I want. Yeah. And especially if you as a business owner or 
yeah, the leader is more of a rescuer. You might feel compelled that Mm -hmm. you have to fix this, that you have to change it. But sometimes it's for them to learn the skill of how to communicate to get to a resolution. Yeah, you don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to be best friends with the people that you work with, but you can have a healthy respect. You can have collaboration. You can do these things. But if you go in thinking it's never going to happen, then it's never going to happen. Right? I say this to my son all the time. You constantly prove yourself right. Regardless of what you decide, you prove yourself right. A hundred percent. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I wanted to ask uh, when we talk about busy and what that means for the team and how we kind of use that badge of honor, the busy badge of honor, Mm -hmm. when things come up, it's like, I don't want to deal with this. This is just too much. I'm not going to deal with it. And then you let it go. And then you hope it resolves itself. So would you mind sharing some more about kind of what your thoughts are around the busy and how people are using it as a badge of honor, not just for conflict, but just in general? Yeah, there's so much being, I feel like celebrated right now when people say they've burnt out. Mm-hmm. There's so much when someone's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Oh yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like we want some sort of validation by how busy we are. and. It is natural now in workplaces. I don't know if it's a safety thing. If people say they're not busy, they're going to get added more work. I I feel like there's some mindset stuff going on there. It's a bit of a coping mechanism. But busy leads to this feeling of stress. Busy leads to this feeling of overwhelm. So it hinders innovation. It hinders creativity. It hinders flexibility. And if your team is like swimming in the sea of busy, as a leader, I really encourage that pause, even though everyone's so busy, it's counterintuitive. I know you got to stop and take a look at what are they so busy doing? I've done this with teams and it turns out that they're losing so much time by responding to other teammates instantly, especially leaders, right? Somebody knocks on their door, somebody pings them, somebody needs something for them. So they stop what they're doing and they switch their focus to deal with their team. But task switching actually sucks so much of your energy and it's really hard to go back. This is how we get so distracted. And then at the end of the day, we're so far behind because we were dealing with everybody else's stuff and not our own. So if you really looked at what you were so busy doing, I bet you there's a good chunk of it in there that A, isn't yours (laughs) to be busy with, or B, that you're actually wasting time on that you could stop doing so that you can really focus on what you need to be doing. So how does boundaries actually fit into that? Mm, Boundaries are, I love boundaries. I, I for sure geek out about boundaries. Okay, so an example of a boundary for a leader that I just described, things are pinging and people are interrupting them. You know, that whole open door policy that every leader has been told is the thing to do because you're approachable and all of that. That's distracting you and it's really not effective. And you end up having growing resentment to your team as they continue to interrupt you. 
I like office hours. So if you were to say from one to three every day, my door is open, but the rest of the time it's closed. And then you held that boundary. So what will happen is people will either A, figure out the problem before they come to you. Because sometimes when you're so accessible, it's just easy to constantly ask mom for the answer, right? (laughs) So if you're constantly available, they're going to ask you. So let them try and figure it out themselves and have a try these three things before you come to me, right? Have they, you know, fully looked in all the files? Have they consulted, you know, a, a teammate? Whatever the solutions could be before coming to you, and then hold that boundary. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not necessarily theirs to respect, it's yours to hold. So if you don't hold the boundary, they're not going to respect it. See, 100%. And I think that's where you lead to all this busyness because. These are some of the, if you're not, if you're not enforcing the boundaries, you're constantly having people outside of the times that you have for focused time mm-hmm. coming into your space and actually creating that distraction that leads to the business. Yeah. And then what do you often hear too, is people complaining about it. It's like, oh, she knows that I'm not supposed to be, you know, doing this right now. They're constantly, at, and then you spend even more time complaining about the boundary you let go. Yeah. Right? It's a hundred percent. And I and what I found even with some of my clients, it's uh they encourage a learned helplessness within the team. And that creates like a cycle for everybody else that comes on the team. Oh, don't worry about that. You all you have to do is go and ask so and so and they'll they'll answer your question. Or you're not supposed to do that because he's going to take care of this part. And some of the question I, I have to ask is, well, if you're constantly doing the work, who's managing the team? And, yeah. you know, then they give me that face, like, what are you talking about? I'm I'm the manager. What are you talking about? I was like, no, you're busy working. I'm just trying to understand, like, how much of their paycheck are you actually receiving? Because you're doing two jobs at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure and- they love it when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I always get the why would you say that? Like, you know, that's not what it is. And it's like, okay, let me recap. (laughs) And I'll go over everything. And then I'll get the the face like, oh, that probably is true. Yeah. You get that like, oh, darn, I did do that. Yeah. And that's, that's the classic rescuer right there. Yes. It is, you know, people think that being a rescuer, you're a people person, and you don't want people to hurt. And you're kind of, you know, you picture the hero. But what you're really saying when you swoop in and help do somebody's work for them, what you're actually telling them is, I don't believe you're capable. Hmm. That's the truth. I don't believe you're capable of doing this. I don't believe you're capable of solving your own problem. I don't believe in you. And then they don't believe in themselves and feel they need rescuing. And now you've created this completely codependent, unhealthy relationship. And you got to stop. 100%. Oh my God, we could go on forever on this because there's so many pieces to this because I know even when I think, when I talk to different business owners, it's like, well, I can do this in like 10 minutes versus, you know, having to explain it and then write it Mm -hmm. down for someone, go through all this stuff. 
And then I'll ask the question, can they do what you do? Well, no. So can they do what you you want them to do based on the instructions you're going to give? Well, yes. So what's the trade-off? Because if if that's happening on this side and you're now overwhelmed, then what's the point of having this resource if you're not going to yeah. train them and put them in in a spot that they can grow? Because otherwise you're you're literally not giving them any work. Yeah. And be reminded that you're going to explain things, let's say twice. If you are as good as you are and you know how to do it so well, you're going to explain it maybe twice. You're going to train them. You're going to monitor it. And then you don't have to do it anymore. Look at that. Look at that. Magic. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You've effectively developed a team member. (laughs) Exactly. And you've delegated and you've delegated effectively. Mm -hmm. So I always say that, you know, when someone says, I, I suck at delegating and I'm like, I'm like, you suck at letting go of control. I don't think it's delegating. I think you want to delegate. I think you want to chuck it over. You just don't want to let go. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. And you don't want to set the time aside because you're so busy to do the training properly. And that's another thing I see is, you know, small business owners specifically who bring someone on and then they don't set the time aside. So they set their person up to fail. And then they're like, see, told you I could have, should have just done it myself. Mm-hmm. Complete confirmation bias. Yeah. So you do need time, you do need to think through. And this is why it's, you know, be the leader you wish you had. How do you wish you had been trained? How do you wish you had been empowered? What might be helpful to you if you're going to be held accountable for something? Mm -hmm. See, look at all that. So I'm glad you brought that up. And what are some of the tips that you can share with, with folks about just helping them to shift from conflict to empowerment. And it um, doesn't have to be what we talked about, but anything, like any mm-hmm. any tips. I do think it's really, if, if you're interested in, you know, the drama triangle and the empowerment dynamic and where your team might be on that, quick Google search, you know, you can bring it up, look at it, share it, you know, study that a little bit. The other piece is practice having conversations. I think conversations face-to-face or on Zoom, if that's how you got to do it, whatever it is, you need to see people and have those conversations and think about the outcome you really want, right? Instead of the outcome you think you're going to get so that you don't go in, you know, really jacked up about the conversation, but more about what is complaining really going to do? What are you hoping to come out of this? Mm-hmm. And and go in with more of a you know thoughtful approach as opposed to just complaining. And then the other piece with conflict that I would say is is look at your role in it. I know that's really, really uncomfortable for people, but I always say there's three sides to everything. It's like your side, my side, and the truth somewhere in the middle. <laughs> So what's your role in it? What's your role in the conflict? And how might you need to accept responsibility or change your behavior to get out of the conflict as well? It's not just on everyone else. You play a part. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
So Ashley, what is next for you? And where can people find you to know what you're up to? Yeah, um, the best place probably is my website. I've got lots of information there. So it's ourforte.ca. I talk about the one-on-one coaching I do. So I do a lot of that with leaders one-on-one. And then I go in and also do trainings with their teams too. So that's really what lights me up and likely what you will find me doing until it stops lighting me up. Awesome. So is there a specific industry that you focus on or? No, I tend to be more focused on places where I can have the biggest impact. So small business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, those teams, you know, the smaller teams where they're keen to make change. I find anytime that I'm with like the big, huge machines, I like fast action and change. I'm not about like quick solutions, but I am about action. I'm less about the 92 step process to get there. (laughs) I love that. So you're thinking around uh, the 20 to 50? Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, I work with some solopreneurs too, who are just trying to figure it out and understanding why they quit their jobs and started on this path and how to really focus on their key priorities and what's going to keep them productive as opposed to busy and overwhelmed. Awesome. Okay. So I'm so glad we had this chat and, you know, we went down the the, the rabbit hole of many different things in the beginning and even now, but I really hope that folks took away some of the nuggets about the edge, mm-hmm. you know, kind of starting off with the edge. And then when you shift into the conflict, applying like a framework, like the the triangle in order to kind of get a better outcome or a better result for the conflict. And I think one of the key takeaways for even myself was asking yourself as the, the leader in the situation, what is your role in the conflict and how mm-hmm. do you show up? when a conflict gets started and what kind of outcome do you want to have in terms of the culture of your team? Yeah. Love that. So I am, I'm I'm glad we did this and everything that uh, for all of our information, I'm going to be adding that to the show notes. So please go to the show notes and have a look, check Ashley out. And if there's alignment, by all means, reach out to her, follow her. And, and check out her content. Lots of good stuff there. Thank you so much. And it's been such a joy chatting with you. Same here. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. To work with us or access free resources, head over to www.concaveservices.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. See you on the next episode.